Steph Weaves Tales presents Paxwood, The Haunting of Paxwood House, a paranormal fantasy web serial written and narrated by Stephanie Gildart. Episode 8, Flickers of the Past. The massive double doors parted silently, an open invitation. Weren't haunted house doors supposed to creak like the voices of cursed souls? I stopped before I crossed the threshold and turned to give Shar a photogenic smile, hand on the doorknob. With a laugh, she took my picture. I'm not what you're here to photograph, I said. It's not like digital film can be wasted, and even if it could, you were perfectly posed in that doorframe. I trusted her eye, even though I was sure she was speaking literally. She took the picture because of the pose, and that was all. This wasn't the right time to get carried away with what-ifs or turn Shar's words inside out. Then we were inside the foyer. The moment I let go of the handle, the weighty door slid back towards its frame, though the latch rested against the metal tongue. The door still opened just a crack. It would only take a light press of the hand to close it all the way. At least it didn't slam shut and trap us, in classic haunted house style. That had to be a good sign. The agent who gave me the key said electricity would be on when we got here, so I looked at the wall on either side of the door. If there'd been a fancy hundred-year-old wallpaper here, someone peeled it off or painted right over it in bland beige. An ordinary beige modern light switch blended right in. I flipped it and the foyer's chandelier flickered to life over our heads. Now that, at least, they'd left alone. Except for adapting it from gas to electric. I wasn't sure when that happened, though I knew from some unrelated research that Paxwood became electrified, along with Bellingham, after the construction of the Nooksack Falls hydroelectric power plant in 1906. Char took pictures of the glittering piece of art, a Venetian chandelier with 22 candles, now electric candles, their flame-shaped bulbs filling the foyer with light. Is it supposed to flicker like fire? Not sure. I admitted. She was right, though. The flame bulbs glowed at varying intensities, each one flickering in and out independently from the others. Almost a dance. Almost in waltz time. Was I hearing a waltz? No, of course not. Whether or not it's on purpose or accident, it's probably a wiring thing. It's gorgeous, though. She took one more picture and turned her focus toward the stairs straight ahead of us. I expected one of those massive, sweeping grand staircases, honestly. The half-turned staircase with its landing in the middle led up to the second-floor mezzanine. The railing was stately in its own right, decorative balusters with a floral theme, handrail worn smooth and light along the top from decades of use. But even with the subtle details, the staircase came across a little too ordinary, especially compared to that fountain outside. Well, imagine Florence Paxwood sweeping down these steps in profile, first one way, and then the other, a chance for any visitor to look upon her from every angle. Or John conserved a bit of money on a staircase to indulge in other places. Luella wasn't alive to make observations about staircase construction decisions, so honestly I can't be sure from her journal. But maybe somewhere a carpenter has records. A shadow shifted in the far left corner of my eye. The hairs on my arms prickled up. Drawn by the movement, I turned, but nothing was there. A trick of the flickering not candlelight, probably. The library is to our immediate left, converted into the mayor's home office, but they tried to keep some of the antique furniture and decor in there. The once-disguised door close to the center of the left wall leads into a servant corridor and more directly back into the kitchen and laundry. Then there's the dining room double doors. Bet you can guess which room sounds most interesting to me. Char moved toward the wall panel. The kitchen, of course. 
I didn't bother finishing my description of the first floor layout, the grand hall to our right behind both sets of double doors. Marble floors and more high ceilings. A place for dancing. If I continued the narrative my way, I'd be guiding Char out onto that marble floor to dance with her. Char came here at my request, though, so I had to give her this. I let her lead us toward the door to the servant's corridor. A flat color really doesn't hide this door, Char said as she approached. I don't know a lot about late 19th century wallpaper, but I bet they would have used something with at least straight vertical lines to hide the doorframe a bit more than this. Or wooden paneling. Something like that? I hope you never have to choose between costuming, set design, and cooking. She was right, though. Whether or not it was intentional, no one bothered to hide the hidden door anymore, so the tiniest line of a gap was perceptible even to a casual viewer. I'll have to at some point. Only so many hours in the day. Still, Char smiled as she pressed her fingers into the distinct square space that served as the door's trigger. The latch clicked, and the door swung open on silent hidden hinges. I'll ask my dad about it. The hidden door thing. Wonder if Sylphium would bother to consult an expert and hide this door, or if they just open up the whole thing. With pursed lips, I considered which a vampire would prefer. Probably the hidden hallway. More annoyingly beige paint awaited in the servants' corridors. But that may have been historically accurate for all I knew. Servants didn't need fancy wallpaper. If it's really haunted, this would be the perfect backdrop for a dramatic bleeding wall moment, I kidded, trying to pull my thoughts away from the Sylvium lawyer. Char jabbed me with her elbow. I'm not laughing. Still, there was a crinkle in the corner of her eye. A kitchen to explore outweighed any hesitance or fear. How could I deny her the chance to explore something familiar? It should be the first door on the right, I said, letting the joke fade away. Vampires couldn't possibly be real, but I accepted ghosts could be. And the ghosts of this house could be listening, too. We didn't need their blood to manifest around us. Char continued to lead us down the hall toward the kitchen door. To my surprise, though, when we reached it, she turned away from it, toward the open stairs. One flight heading up toward the second floor the other down toward the cellar. There's a basement? She asked. There was something off in her tone. It was a common enough fear, though. Cellars. They were dark, damp, hidden places, and people usually sealed them off behind a door. In fact, as I looked at the stairway, I recognized the doorframe there, the empty hinges. There should have been a door here. It was missing. Yeah, I know. Not that common in Washington, I said, trying to play it off. With all the rain, it doesn't take much for poorly constructed basements to flood. I stepped behind Char to the kitchen door and swung it open, holding it wide for her. I think the kitchen was last updated in the early 2000s, not too long before they made the decision to move the mayor out of Paxwood House. Come on. She snapped her gaze away from the gaping stairs back toward me. Her skin was pale. But worse, right when she turned, the wrongness I'd been trying to deny grasped hold of my lungs. I went rigid as I saw the paranormal in movement for the first confirmed time in my life. Wafting down the upper staircase, a gray fog. And a faint outline of a figure in a dress, hands reaching out toward us. Transforming from cellar shadow to solid reality, a massive, black dog, white fangs bared, and Char 
beautiful, enchanted, future five-star chef Shar was all eyes for the kitchen. Camera up as she took another picture of me in a doorway. My expression couldn't have been photogenic in the least this time. Shar, run! My muscles were tight, still holding the door wide open. Would it be better for us to run down the hall or close ourselves up in the kitchen like those kids in the dinosaur movie? Shar looked over her shoulder, screamed, then listened. Whether it was my words or her instincts she listened to, she shot down the hallway. As she did, so, too, did the black dog. I didn't mean to be standing there, holding the door, letting Shar bait the dog. That wasn't my intention at all. Shock and adrenaline make poor planning companions, and no one prepares you in school for an emergency like seeing a ghost and a black dog in a haunted house. I screamed my own muscles into action, out into the hallway, chasing after the black dog and Shar. If the ghost was going to come after me, let her. My best friend was in danger. Thank you listeners for tuning in. Paxwood Book One, The Haunting of Paxwood House, is written and narrated by Stephanie Gildart. That's me. Theme music composed by Human Nature. Visit StephWeavesTales.com to read the story as it unfolds. Want to read over my shoulder while I write what's next? Catch me live on Twitch for laid-back virtual write-ins and crafting. If you like the story and you want more, like, review, comment, subscribe. And if you're feeling particularly entangled, buy me a skein of yarn on coffee. Carrie's paranormal tip of the day. If the lights are flickering and the hairs on your arms are standing on end, it's ghosts. Get out of there.